0: You are listening to a sermon from the First Baptist Church of Ewing, a Christ-centered church in Lewis County. Uh, So there was a 2009 um, Barna Research Survey that was given. Uh, They surveyed uh, over 1,800 individuals who self-identified as Christian And they asked them about their beliefs regarding the Holy Spirit. And 58% of those surveyed responded by saying, and I quote, The Holy Spirit is a symbol of God's power or presence, but he is not a living entity. So almost 60% of these self-identified Christians who were surveyed said that the third member of the Trinity was not actually God, but was really just a symbol of his power or his presence. Now, that should come as a shock and a surprise to any committed Christian Yet, if you were to casually observe many of the churches across our country, it would be understandable how that 58% came to their conclusion. Because at a practical level, um, it would appear that Christians don't always worship a triune God, a, a single God who manifests himself in three persons. Uh, we, we often speak of God the Father. Uh, we often talk about God the Son, uh, but the Spirit is often tragically neglected in our conversations and in our worship. Uh, when, when God sent His Son to live among us, we, we disowned Him. We, we crucified Him as our create we you know crucified our Creator. Uh, and, and the same really continues uh, even today. Uh, God has sent His spirit not to just live among us but to dwell within us, and yet we regularly fail to give him the glory and the honor that he is due so this morning i I hope to do uh, the best that I can to uh, rectify this problem uh, we're going to look at the arrival of the holy spirit at pentecost uh, and I want you to see that the the spirit's arrival equips the church for the advancement of the kingdom we saw that the son came to establish the kingdom Now it's the Spirit who will come and equip and empower the citizens of this kingdom. Uh, From from Acts 2, uh, I want to address to you four roles of the Holy Spirit. Four ways in which the Spirit works in the lives of Christians to advance Christ's kingdom. Number one, the Spirit Breathes life into your soul. Um, He also builds a permanent dwelling uh, for the Lord. Uh, Third, he binds your soul to other believers. Uh, And lastly, he bears supernatural fruit in your life. Uh, So let me read our text and we're going to look at these four roles, these four ways uh, in which the Spirit uh, equips and empowers the church to advance the kingdom of Christ. So Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, So first, the Spirit breathes life into your soul. Uh, th- this is one of the most obvious yet important roles of the Holy Spirit. Uh, our, our text begins there in verse 1, saying that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place And suddenly, there there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house uh, where they were setting. Since Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection and his departure, uh, the disciples had been huddling together, uh, waiting for the arrival of the Spirit. Uh, In fact, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus commanded them not to even depart from Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit arrived. Uh, He was that vital and that important to the advancement of Christ's kingdom uh, that without his presence, uh, it would be better for the disciples not to leave Jerusalem at all. Uh, And as the the Spirit finally does arrive here in Acts chapter 2, notice the the timing and the manner of this arrival. Uh, First, the the timing. Uh, He arrives on the day of Pentecost. Uh, That term, Pentecost, in Greek, uh, literally just means 50th. Uh, It's a holiday that takes place 50 days after uh, the Passover. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks, and it was a Jewish festival that celebrated the harvest. So it's no coincidence that this day uh, that was dedicated as a harvest celebration, it's no coincidence that the Lord chose Then to send down his spirit to reap a harvest of souls numbering in the thousands. You read at the the end of Acts chapter 2, and it says that the number of individuals who who witnessed the uh, descent of the Holy Spirit uh, and saw Peter being empowered by the Holy Spirit to to preach on this day, uh, the number of individuals that responded as a result to the Holy Spirit's descent, uh, it said was... 3,000 people that were baptized on this day. Now, logistically, I'm not even sure how you accomplish that many baptisms in one setting, but clearly this is a harvest celebration if there ever was one. So that's, that's the timing of his arrival. Uh, but notice also the manner of his arrival, Verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. This is very similar to the prophet Ezekiel and how he experienced the spirit of God, Uh, You you may remember that I preached on Ezekiel's vision in the Valley of the Dry Bones back in March when I I came here uh, in view of a call to be your pastor. Um, Ezekiel, if you remember, he was was given a vision of a valley uh, full of skeletons Uh, And he was commanded to prophesy God's word to those dry, cracked bones. And we're told in Ezekiel 37, uh, starting there in verse 7, it says, uh, As I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone on its bone. Uh, And then in verse 9, he continues saying, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. That was the spirit of God at work. It came in like a mighty, rushing wind, and it breathed on these corpses so that they may live. Uh, they, They were just a pile of skeletons, but because of God's spirit, those skeletons were transformed into soldiers. That, that's how the, the Spirit was at work in the life of Ezekiel uh, and in the time of the apostles, uh, and that's how he continues to be at work today. Uh, he, he breathes on those who, who have long been slain by their own sin, uh, and, and he brings them back to life. Don't forget the importance of the life giving and life sustaining role of the Spirit. Uh, when you become a follower of Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit comes to reside inside your soul. Uh, in, in fact, it's, it's because. It's only because he enters into your heart uh, that you can even become a Christ follower at all. Now, without the Holy Spirit raising your spirit from the dead, uh, you would be nothing more than just a spiritual corpse. So, so if you do not... Uh, so that's, that, that's what the Holy Spirit does when you, when you first become a believer. Um, and so if you do not first have that Holy Spirit residing uh, in you, uh, then don't even begin to think that you can do anything to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, like the disciples... Uh, If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you would do well to wait in Jerusalem. Uh, Before you can be used by the Lord to advance his kingdom, uh, you must first submit to Christ and receive his Spirit into your life. Uh, But even when you do become a follower of Christ, uh, and this, his spirit does raise your soul back to life, know that, that you, along with everyone else who has also submitted themselves to Christ, uh, know that you have been transformed into a living, breathing army of the Lord. Uh, you are a member of an army that has been brought back to life by the Spirit and that is sustained by the Spirit. So so that's the the first role of the Holy Spirit. The the second one is this. The Spirit builds within you a permanent dwelling of the Lord. Verse 3 says that divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Just, just stop and, and think about that for a moment. Uh, we, we often want to think about what it would have been like to have been with Jesus. You know, the disciples were able to set in the presence of God in the flesh, Uh, They spoke with God, they ate with God, they were able to ask him questions, they were even able to reach out and touch him. Uh, But but as great as that experience would have been, what occurs here in Acts 2 is far better. Uh, There's a pastor that I really appreciate, J.D. Greer, um, and he put it this way. He said, The spirit inside of you is greater than even Jesus beside you. The spirit inside of you is greater than even Jesus beside you. As great as it was for the disciples to witness the life and ministry of Jesus and to have Jesus beside them, um, it is far better for them uh, that they now have the Spirit residing inside them. Uh, it, It is far better, and it is far better for them and far better for you to have that Holy Spirit residing inside Uh, This is why Jesus said that it was to their advantage that he depart, uh, because it was his departure that would mean the Spirit's arrival. Uh, And this is a monumental moment in the unfolding plan of God. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, uh, yeah, there were certain times when certain individuals were temporarily filled with the Spirit's presence, uh, but at no time before Acts chapter two did the Lord's presence permanently dwell inside his people. Uh, this this means that as John sixteen thirteen says, you, you now have one to guide you in all truth. Or as Romans 8.26 says, you have one who intercedes for you with groanings too deep for words. Uh, th- this means you have a helper, a comforter, an advocate. Uh, as Paul puts it, you have one who will grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. This, this means, as, as Jesus put it, you will also do the works that I do and greater works than these you will do. Now, Jesus, of course, walked on water Uh, He turned water into wine. Uh, He rose from the dead. So he's not saying that you are necessarily going to top any of those feats. But he is saying that through the aid of the Spirit, uh, whose permanent presence now dwells within you if you've submitted your life to Christ, uh, he, he is saying that you are in a privileged position to see Christ's kingdom grow in greater ways, uh, and you will see the gospel taken to farther lands than even Christ was able to see in his earthly ministry. And this is all because the Holy Spirit has built within your heart a permanent dwelling place for the Lord. Uh, you, you won't be temporarily for a time filled with his spirit uh, as those in the Old Testament. Uh, he has made his home in your heart uh, and he will continue to dwell there. That's the second role. Uh, the third Way that the Spirit equips and empowers you for the advancement of Christ's kingdom um, is this. He he binds your soul to other believers. He he brings you to life. Uh, He builds a permanent dwelling for the Lord within you, Uh, but he also binds you together with others that he has also brought to life. But let me read verse 3 again. It says that divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down like this mighty rushing wind and he appears on them like divided tongues of fire, uh, and he rests individually on each disciple. Uh, Each one individually has the Spirit come upon them, but it's not, however, a different Spirit that rests inside each individual. It's the same Spirit. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 12:13 uh, he said in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks, slaves or free uh, and all were made to drink of one spirit. the unifying force of God's spirit, it's one of the most significant yet underestimated roles. Paul says that all, whether Jew or Greek or slave or free, he says all have been made to drink of one spirit. You, you and I all drink from the same flowing fountain. Each one of you has the same spirit as the refreshing source of your spiritual life and your spiritual guidance. Sin, by its very nature, seeks to divide and separate us from one another. In a fallen, broken world, um, you prioritize your aspirations above others. Uh, you know you are the center of your own world. Uh, you only seek to advance what will ultimately benefit you. Uh, and it's only when God's spirit comes down and dwells within you uh, that you can begin, the battle of overriding that pride uh, and begin to reunite yourself with others and begin to rebuild together what had been ruined by sin. Political parties will not unify our country. Uh, shared interests and hobbies. Uh, cannot bind ourselves together. Only the work of the Holy Spirit can can knit us together uh, with a bond that cannot be broken. Uh, If you want your marriage to be unshakable, then root it in the shared bond of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Root it in the reality that the same work of the spirit that that is is hard at work sanctifying you, uh, that same spirit that is in your soul is also in the soul of your spouse. Recognize that it is the same spirit that is seeking to guide you both into the truth. Uh, If you want to end racism, uh, seek to reach all races and ethnicities and people groups with the gospel. It's only the Spirit of God that can penetrate past the color of one's skin and penetrate down into the heart and begin that process of reconciling people of different ethnic and economic backgrounds. Remember If if you want to reconcile, be it your spouse or other people, um, any any kind of unity that that you hope to have in this world, remember, though, that it's the Spirit and the Spirit alone that, that can bind and unite your soul with other believers. Fourthly, uh, and lastly, the Spirit uh, equips you to advance Christ's kingdom by bearing supernatural fruit in your life. Uh, he, he breathes life into you. Uh, he builds a, a permanent dwelling in your heart. Uh, he binds your soul with others, and he bears supernatural fruit. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Immediately after being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit begins bearing fruit in their lives. Now, inevitably, the the question arises... Uh, if this is how the Spirit bore fruit in the lives of the disciples, uh, how does He bear fruit in the lives of believers today? Uh, if you're not miraculously speaking in other languages, uh, does that mean that, that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, unless you're able to perform signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit, uh, does, does that mean that the Spirit is absent in your life? To, to answer that question, let, let me walk you through uh, what this last verse would have meant for the early church. Uh, and then we'll see what it means for you today. So, so first, the, the, this verse and what it meant for the early church. Uh, Pentecost Uh, is a watershed moment uh, in the history of the Christian faith. the, The prophet Joel looked forward to this day, and he prophesied about this moment, saying that in the beginning of the last days, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh until it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, If you've read the Old Testament, uh, as as you survey and read through the Old Testament, it may appear at times uh, that the unfolding plans of God uh, were, were little more than just a trickle. Even as his presence was at work in the Old Testament, even most of his own people that made up that tiny nation of Israel, they were no different than any other nation surrounding them. They they were almost all spiritually as dry as a desert. And occasionally, uh, maybe you would get whispers of a prophecy pointing you to something more to come, like seeing clouds on the horizon in the distance. Uh, but it's not until you turn over into the pages of the New Testament and you arrive here in the book of Acts at, at Pentecost uh, that almost without warning, there, there is a torrential spiritual Downpour at this moment. If you read through Acts chapter 2, it says that Jews from every nation under heaven were in Jerusalem celebrating this holiday. So as this mighty rushing wind sweeps down and these tongues of fire rest upon these disciples, uh, these men are supernaturally empowered by the Spirit to proclaim the good news of the gospel in numerous languages to thousands and thousands of people. And Jews from the furthest reaches of civilization are reached by this message they speak. There are those present from Europe, those present from Asia, from Africa, from all the corners of the known earth. And it's a reminder was a reminder to that initial original audience that the gospel is not just those for those who live in Jerusalem. It's not just for those who only speak Aramaic or Hebrew. This will be a global gospel. This will be a gospel without borders. A gospel intended to impact the whole world. So that's what the Spirit's arrival meant for the early church. Uh, the, the Spirit was, was poured out and, uh, on his people, and the disciples spontaneously spoke in these foreign tongues uh, so that all could see this global vision of the gospel. But, but what does this passage mean for you and I today? The, though this event that, that we have read about, though it's a one-time occurrence, though it was unique to the, the history of, of the early church, th- this was a, a singular moment and not intended to be the you know, normative experience for Christians today— Uh, That doesn't mean that the Spirit isn't still at work in other ways. Uh, He is still just as active in the lives of modern believers as he was in the New Testament. For for all who have submitted to Christ uh, and who have been filled with the Spirit— Uh, There should be visible, tangible evidence of where that spirit now resides. Uh, I'm reminded of a a quote from a book that was written on the role of the Holy Spirit uh, called Forgotten God, Um, and the author in the book, he he writes this, He he says, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this uh, with with my own power. This passage means that your life should not be explainable apart from the Holy Spirit. Uh, The love you have for others The peace that you exhibit in the midst of trials, uh, the patience that you afford to those who are impatient with you, uh, all aspects of your life should attest to the arrival of the Holy Spirit in your life. Uh, It should take supernatural vocabulary to explain your life. Uh, People heard the languages that these disciples spoke uh, as they were filled with the Spirit, and and they knew that it had to be the Spirit of God at work. Uh, and, And like the disciples, others should see your attitude and your actions and know that it has to be the very Spirit of God at work in your life Two. So hopefully this morning you, you, you've come to, to see and better understand the role and the purpose of the Holy Spirit uh, in your life uh, and in the life of the church. Uh, and the reality that just as the, the son's arrival establishes uh, the kingdom, it's the spirit's arrival that equips the, the church for the advancement of that kingdom. Uh, before we depart, though, I want to end by, by giving you a timely reminder uh, from the Apostle Paul. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 uh, through 19. Paul writes, "'Rejoice always, pray without ceasing,' Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And do not quench the spirit. As First Baptist Ewing, you and I should strive to be a family who rejoices together, who who prays together. Together, who, who gives thanks to God together, no matter what our circumstances. But but as you do so, Paul commands you not to quench the spirit. Let the spirit work. Let him breathe life into your soul. Let him build within you that permanent dwelling place for the Lord. Let him bind your soul to other believers and let him bear supernatural fruit in your life. Let him work without quenching the Spirit's. Because you can believe all of the correct doctrines in the Bible. Uh, You can regularly attend every service. Uh, Yet, if you do those things and, and you still douse the flames and pour water on these spiritual embers that the Spirit has been stirring up in your soul... If you do everything else, but, but you, you douse those flames of the Spirit, you're going to be left with a cold, damp mess. We, we as a church must learn to see the Spirit of God as a gift of grace from God. We, we as a church should always strive to, to love the Bible and to be in love with Jesus uh, but we also must be a family in love with the spirit as well. We, we must seek to flan the flames of that spirit uh, that he is trying to stir up within us to help equip us for the work that lays ahead. Let me pray.